Welcome to the CDOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, joined by MJHL Commissioner Kim Davis and soon-to-be Commissioner Kevin Soret. Yes, Kim Davis stepping down after 18 years. He reflects on his time as Commissioner, and then Kevin looks ahead to what his job will be like and how his life will change and not change. And then Murata Tesh joins the show to talk about the Jets. Should they be sellers, buyers at the trade deadline? And he got a foster dog. We'll talk about all that on the podcast. And we will start the show with the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Because they're getting a new commissioner after 18 years at the helm. Kim Davis will be stepping down at the end of June. It's just time. Nothing bad happened. Taking his place will be current league of director of league operations, Kevin Surrett. Had the chance to talk to both of them today. You'll hear from Kevin later in the show. But now, let's hear from Kim, who I talked to earlier today. All right, Kim, congratulations on, uh, I guess, retirement. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, uh, I guess that's, that's sort of the, 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 the word that's in vogue these days. Uh, um, certainly, um, uh, in terms of, you know, my employer, I, I'm going to be I'm retiring from, from this employer for sure. Whether or not uh, I, I stay retired, uh, who knows at this point. So when did you first get this idea that you wanted to step down as commissioner? Um, you know, as I said, um, approximately four and a half years ago, I, you know, I really enjoyed working uh, for the league uh, as their commissioner. And um, because of that, you know, I, I've developed a certain sense of... Uh, um, I don't know what the right term is, but I, I, I really feel strongly that, that the league needs to, to continue to, to, to operate in a, in, a, in a real positive and strong fashion. So I, I felt that it was important for me personally to do what I could to help the league move forward uh, in, a, in, a, you know, in a strong and consistent way. And, and the best way to do that was to, to work with someone that could, that could understand and learn the business, or sort of pick my brain, if you will, over a number of years, and then uh, continue to thrive uh, after I'm gone. And so when Kevin was hired on a number of years ago, was the intent when he was hired to eventually take over? Well, uh, in my mind, it was. I mean, at, at that point, you know, it, it's always difficult when you're hiring someone new. You never know exactly how it's going to turn out. Certainly, I had a very good um, a feeling about, about Kevin in the sense of his background and his skills and his, and his attitude. And uh, all of that um, intuition, if you will, on my part has, has, has proven to be... Uh, um, you know, right on, I think, in the sense that, uh, you know, he's, he's got great character. Uh, he's a hard worker. He knows the game. He understands. He's good. He works well with people. So I think he's, he's well suited to, the, to this type of a role. And uh, I'm certainly going to do what I can to help him over the next few months for sure and beyond that as well. So what kind of commissioner will Kevin Surrett be? Well, uh, he'll be different from you. You know, well, for sure he'll be. We're all a little bit different in terms of how we do things. Even even in the last three and a half years that we worked together, you know, there's, uh, you know, I've made decisions or done things a certain way that I, I can sense that he, you know, isn't necessarily uh, fully on on board with, and, and vice versa, you know. But I think uh, in in the, in in to answer your question specifically, uh, you know what he's he's got uh, a, a great character. He, he he really works well with people, and he and he listens, and uh, and he's not afraid of making a, a, a decision. Uh, you, it, it, it's a tough job. It, it's it, and but there's a lot of nuances to it too. Uh, it's a very demanding job, uh, but he's he's up to those those um, uh, those expectations. I think he's going to do just fine. I mean, he's uh, I have no no hesitation at all, and um, you know I'm just again looking forward to seeing uh, the league grow, uh, and, and it'll likely grow in different ways than 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 uh, the time that I've been here. So, so you hopped into this role in 2002. Yes. 
did you think you'd make it almost two decades? You know, I, I really didn't. Uh, I, I actually didn't have any sort of long-term expectation, uh, really. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things, um, you know, after, I don't know, after 12, 13 years, I, I got to the point where I thought, well, holy gosh, you know, it's been 12, 13 years. And then that's when I started having these thoughts about, you know, after I leave, what, you know, what's, what's the state of the league going to be in as it relates to its commissioner. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's turned out, you know, to be, you know, fantastic for me. I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's certainly been, di- been difficult at times. But, uh, you know, uh, challenges are, are important for people in, in terms of professionally. It helps you to grow. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, it's been very rewarding for sure. How different is the MJHL in 2020 compared to 2002? You know, um, one of the one of the big things uh, is is uh, is technology. How it's infiltrated all businesses, uh, including the hockey business. Uh, so that's one huge uh, change and difference. Uh, we barely had a website as an organization when I first started. Uh, websites were not common for for some uh, businesses. Uh, and now you look at uh, even even just this event that we're having here today. I mean, just the instantaneous dissemination of the information that we shared here today is, is now out there in, in the in the in, in the minds of people that that are nowhere near here. And it's the expectation too. It, and, and it is. It, it, you are expected. To. So you know we've had to keep pace with that, and uh, and we have. You know, and uh, you know we we've uh, we've probably made a few missteps over the years too as it relates to how we communicate information, but. Uh, overall, that's that's one big change. The, the other one that I would say is just the the, the quality and the skill set of players. Um, when uh, when the NHL uh, made changes to its its uh, enforcement of rules uh, a number of years ago now, particularly related to obstruction, that kind of filtered all the way down through all levels of hockey, including junior A hockey, and and it's it's made the game a much faster game, and a, a more of a focus on skills uh, for players. And we see that every day in our league. You know, the, the quality of play, the skating, the shooting, the passing, um, the, the, the strength that, that you need to play the game is, is just so exciting. And uh, that, that's one big change that, that we've seen. It, the game used to be more of a plodding, sort of a, you know, more physical game. Uh, it's still physical, but in a different way. Uh, and so that's really exciting. Finally, what kind of pride do you feel when you see kids in this league flourish, not only in the league but beyond? Well, it, it, it fills me w- with immense pride. Uh, you know, for me, you know, being an, uh, an older person in the game, if I could put it that way, uh, I, it's very re- rewarding to me to see young men uh, want to, to, to do something uh, uh, in the game, uh, particularly as players. And then to see them actually uh, start with those those you know really small dreams that that build over time, and then they get to the point where they're in our league, and then beyond our league, and continuing to get better as players and develop, it's so rewarding. I mean, I, I, it's huge. And you know what, the numbers are what they are. I mean, we'd like to have more of those on a daily basis or on a yearly basis, I should say. But you know, if I think back on the number of players that have been through our league and, uh, uh, and, and, and the numbers that have gone on to far greater things beyond our league, I mean, it's huge. And, and it's basically one of the main reasons why I've been involved. Congratulations on this, Kim, and best of luck going forward. You bet. Thank you, Christian. As you heard earlier in the show, the Manitoba Junior Hockey League getting a new commissioner. Kevin Surrett will take over for Kim Davis at the end of June. Back when Davis took over as commissioner, by the way, in 2002, Surrett was playing at the U of M. 
Uh, he had just wrapped up his first season. He was getting ready for his second of five seasons there. Had stops in the ECHL, AHL, Germany, and Ireland. And not long after hanging up the skates in 2015, he became director of league operations for the MJHL. And today, it was announced he will take over for Davis. And I talked to Kevin earlier today. Yep. All right, Kevin. So how do you feel to be the next commissioner of the MJHL? Oh, I'm definitely excited. It's it's kind of funny because, you know, the announcement's today, but I don't officially start the role until July 1st. But but it'll be an exciting time just for myself with, with the restructuring and going through the process of the application process of hiring two new full-time staff. And for me, it's going to be, you know, really a restructure of the league office. So when I start, you know, we're going to have myself and two other full-time staff working for the league. So I'm excited about that process to have the resources and, and the quality people that are going to be, I'm going to be working with day in and day out. But but overall, um, you know, I'm ecstatic that that the Board of Governors and the member teams have trusted me in, in this role. And and I, I'm really excited to officially step in as commissioner on July 1st. Does your life get busier then? Uh, I don't think so because, you know, Kim and I pretty much attack everything together anyway so so in that stance you know I obviously I think the pressure might get a little more as you know as the commissioner but you know we're we're continually working you know things we're working on right now that we're planning you know are eight months from now so day in and day out you know the job's busy and it'll be busier or just as busy come July 1st. What have you learned since you were brought on as director of league operations? What have I learned? <laughs> or is that too big a question? Well, that's a pretty big question. I guess, you know, I've really been able to get a, an in-depth understanding on the administrative side of a league office and and been able to work with the member teams closely from, from the governors to the general managers, the coaching staff, the marketing managers, the support staff. So... You know, I've been lucky to have a, you know, a very in-depth working relationship with everyone involved in the league, and 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 administratively, it's, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than, you know, what I first realized for sure, um, just from my playing background and and doing my MBA, you know, I knew stepping into the role as director of operations that you know, you know, in a way what that would entail, but, you know, it's far more reaching. Than, than I first thought, and and it's 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 not an easy job. I give I give Kim, you know, a ton of credit for for being the MJHL commissioner for 18 years now. And you know, if you you look back at his first, you know, 10 to 15 years, he was just by himself, looking after everything, um, dealing with every aspect of the league. So to be able to work with Kim, you know, the past three and a half years and and see how he handles situations and talk to him about how he's done things in different situations and just work day in and day out on all facets of the league have been invaluable for me and, and are really going to help me moving forward. What learning curves are you expecting that you'll have to deal with in the coming months and even years? Uh, I, I think you just, you know, when you work in sports and, and especially the hockey industry, you know, every day is different. You never know what's going to be what email you're going to get or what's going to be coming you know put on your plate so it's just it's just more being prepared for 
for the unexpected and and you know the way I kind of attack things is that I try to be as prepared and proactive as as possible while knowing that you never know what's going to come come across your table so I think the learning curve will just be dealing with situations that that you know I have that haven't come up yet and then obviously as the commissioner you know I'm the one that's going to have the final say which which is a little different obviously it's it's always been Kim and I've been able to you know to talk with Kim about everything but but he's the commissioner and he's had the final say so that that'll be the biggest adjustment is just getting used to that during your playing days did you always know you wanted to get into sports administration well I knew as my career started coming to an end I knew that I wanted to work in hockey and the you know management operation side if that was working for for a team as a general manager or working for a league office you know it was I knew I wanted to work on the admin business side of hockey and that's part of the reason well that's the main reason that you know I ended up going to Belfast as they offered you know to pay for me to do an executive MBA and that was the first step was was going through that and and gaining the knowledge and the business acumen that that I would need, you know, to go after roles such as the director of operations and, and, but yes, it, it was always, I always wanted to work, you know, on the other side in the hockey industry. All right. Well, congratulations on this and we'll keep in touch, of course, as we go forward here. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming. They're out of the playoffs. They have had a pretty rough month of January. And joining us on the line to talk about the Jets is Murad Atesh, who covers the team for The Athletic. Murad, how are you doing tonight? Hey, doing quite well, Christian. How are you this evening? Doing well. Before we get to the Jets, i got to ask you about Clyde. You've been uh, <laughs> tweeting about the fact that you don't have a dog and dreaming about not having a dog and having a dog. So uh, you tweeted out a picture today, uh, and there's a dog on your lap. Explain. Well, I, yeah, I think it was the first night of the bye week, so we're heading into the All-Star break for the Jets, and I, I had a, a really long, luxurious sleep, which is rare, I guess, in our profession, and I had a great dream about having a dog, and I woke up thinking I had a dog, and I didn't, in fact, have a dog, and I sort of posted on onto Twitter about that and got a lot of... A lot of enthusiasm and encouragement to maybe foster or something like that. So I picked up Clyde from the Humane Society today. We're going to be pals for two weeks, and this is a great thing that has happened. That's awesome. So tell me more about Clyde. Clyde is, I don't know his breed, but he's an enormous dog. He's about one year old and easily three quarters of my own size, I'm going to say. <laughs> a definite gentle giant, bit of a leash puller, but otherwise polite and uh, and cuddly, as I guess, as the internet has seen today. Uh, it's been a real treat so far. And I guess, uh, yeah, I'll have him for two weeks unless somebody adopts him from the Humane Society, which... Uh, I guess is the ultimate point of it all. But for me, right. it's been a nice little bit of companionship so far. So uh, the honeymoon period, though, obviously there could be there could well, be some yeah. challenges. <laughs> yeah, in the plot of this film, it's this is like the uh, the enthusiastic introduction. I'm sure that I'm going to bug him and he'll bug me, and then we'll figure out how to be pals in a long term sort of way after right. that. But uh, it's been great. Nice. Now, have you ever? I'm sure you've had a dog before. Um, I have never owned a dog. I didn't grow up in a household with a dog, but I've uh, been responsible for one like a month at a time. I've, I've dog sat and things like that. Okay. So I've always been on the outside looking in as far as dog ownership goes. Um, and I guess that's the long-term plan. I'm going to foster a couple of times and eventually 
become a foster fail, you know, once I figure out how it exactly works with, uh, you know, with covering the team and having the, that schedule and lifestyle and all that sort of stuff too. All right. Well, let's get to covering the team. That is the Jets. Uh, they are out of the playoff picture right now. I think we're both in agreement that the expectations weren't super high for this team heading into this season, especially with the defense that they put on the ice. Now, at the All-Star break, this team having 54 points, is that about where you thought they might be if we talked about this in October? I think that would be reasonable to be sure. I, I had them as a as a playoff bubble team on the inside uh, back when Dustin Bufflin was part of the projections. And uh, as we all know, he hasn't played a game and, and the date of his arbitration hearing uh, isn't set yet. The resolution in terms of his health and his contract status is still up in the air as of today. And then there's been injury trouble galore. There's been a hot streak, mostly driven by the goaltender. There's been some struggles as well. You add that all up to be just on the outside of the playoff picture right now. I think it's a completely reasonable expectation for the Jets, given what they've gone through. So... With that being said, does the Dustin Bufflin situation impact what they do in the next month heading into the trade deadline? Well, I think ideally the team would want clarity on that because what's being uh, challenged in his arbitration case is whether his suspension for missing training camp voluntarily was uh, was legal or not. And I expect that sub- suspension is going to be upheld, and I, I suspect that uh, Winnipeg is going to have uh, the cap room that it's slowly been building up by not having his contract on their roster to to use, but it doesn't absolutely know that at this point. Still, with that expectation in mind, I think that the Jets uh, are probably leaning towards uh, towards shopping at the trade deadline. Uh, Ken Weeb had a really nice article at the Athletic today uh, about some of the options that the Jets are looking for. Pierre LeBron has spoken to that effect as well, and the idea seems to be that given the defense as it is. Uh, Winnipeg wants to reward its players for being this close at this stage of the at the game with the injuries, with the struggles, all of that sort of stuff. They're still somewhat within striking distance. And so I think that there's going to be cap space and the desire to add. Uh, my big personal concern is to try to recognize that uh, it, it will take quite a lot of addition to make this team given just quite why and how poorly it's five on five play has been um it, it's going to take more than one patchwork addition uh and i'm not sure given that the teams traded a first round pick last year and a first round pick the year before and uh, and a lot of prospects of late that anything with with implications specifically for this season would be a good idea i, I i'm really cautious about that and i've written to that effect if winnipeg can come up with a something a little bit more long-term in thought where the there's a defenseman coming in like an Alec Martinez or a Colin Miller, where there's still at least one more season on that player's contract. Then you sort of get into, uh, I think the wheelhouse of not only what Winnipeg's looking for, but what would genuinely help the team without it being kind of just uh, uh, a little bit too much of trading the future for the present in, in my mind. They don't have to do anything, right? They don't have to. <laughs> Absolutely not, and it would be a fine play by them, uh, especially there's a few contracts that will be running out this summer, the cap space that Winnipeg will have heading in, because you're exactly right. They don't have to do anything, and their young core, the best parts of this team, the young forward group, uh, a couple of young defensemen and Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, Connor Hellebuck, um, but really the firepower up front was Mark Scheifele and Patrick Line and Nick Ehlers, Blake Wheeler still within his window of a, a really effective player too, those things are still there next season, and the window doesn't slam shut, even if the team misses the playoffs this year. Right.
right. I think that's one thing people have to remember is that this team never really was built for this year. And then the Dustin Bufflin thing happened. The uh, How much, in your opinion, we haven't really heard much about this over the last couple of months, but how much has the injury and the lack of Brian Little in the lineup hurt this team defensively? Well, I, I think it's... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm waffling here because I want to respect the importance and the key uh, of a player like Brian Little, who's been the second line center for uh, for a, a while now, um, the, and the volume of injuries on on defense as well. There have been just so many, even without Buffalin, the the man games lost, the number of games given up by these injured guys is is among the league leaders. Winnipeg has faced the most. Um, but then I look around the league and there are teams playing, you know, St. Louis is, is leading the division without Tarasenko and uh, Pittsburgh went on a tremendous run without Sidney Crosby for a while. And if you're looking just strictly at quality missing from the lineup, certainly the Jets are missing that. But I, I hesitate to hang the season on it specifically. Right. Uh, I do think that that Kevin Sheveldayoff, especially during the summertime, believed he was handing Paul Maurice most of a workable top four with Pionk, Morrissey, and, and Bufflin at that time. And the goal was playoffs all along. And the fact that they are close to that mark probably informs some of their thinking right now in terms of looking to add for the near and long term. Uh, so as much as it's easy, and, and, and we've talked about this, the, the five-on-five struggles are so real. The, the Jets have been outscored, outshot, all of the things that you don't want at five-on-five for the last month or two now near the, near the bottom of the NHL. And so it's easy for me to sit in my chair and say, well, okay, this, is, this isn't the season. Uh, the, the talent is still there for next year, all of that sort of stuff. But I, I think very much so the, the Jets still want this to be a playoff run type season or a playoff spot type season and want to make a run at that. Uh, and I think that's informing where they're at approaching the trade deadline. All right. So if they want to make the playoffs, then what has to happen? Um, at least one top four quality defenseman. I, I think that that would be uh, an absolute necessity. And ideally, too, even with Bufflin in the lineup, I think I was preaching that that would be the next to, to really cement things would be to have uh, to have a top four where every member of the top four has played and succeeded in that role before, whereas this season really it's Josh Morrissey and then Neil Pionk uh, who's taking another step in his career. So I think that the defense is clearly where the, the biggest holes are. I've heard some rumblings from Pierre Lebrun, who's uh, one of the few true insiders in the game and, uh, and a colleague. He works at PSN and The Athletic as well. Um, that that Winnipeg wouldn't hesitate to look up front too because Brian Littlebit has been out and because Adam Lowry's out for at least a few more weeks as well, uh, that the Jets could genuinely use that assistance. I don't think that's as much of an emergent concern, uh, but if this is that season for the Jets and they're willing to spend those assets as much as you know, I would write to the effect against it, uh, that would be another sort of secondary concern. Well, Murad, I appreciate your time tonight. Have fun with Clyde, and hopefully the the first sleep he doesn't take up the whole bed. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Thanks so much, Christian. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?